Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. Sean. Do you know what? Ask me what time it is. <laughs> what time? I already know what time it is. Do you not know what Story time? Story time. It is yeah. story time. Story it's, story time. See? it's a it's a story time about. Uh, I'm just thinking about it. I mean, there there are so many different ways to look at as a service AAS and uh, PAI. Um, I don't even know what they all are off the top. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of AAS, but there's also a lot of AST uh, security services, and. If you're not using or certainly exploring all of them, you might be missing out uh, on uh, the full protection you need. And it's time to tell that story, Marco. All the different ways yeah. to look at applications. You, you just started with the things I love the most: acronyms, technology. Like. <laughs> I'm, I get lost pretty quickly there. I'm more about you know in the in the narrative of things. So you know, I, I want to get there, and I want to start with the fact that. This is a their story, and uh, it's the first of the of hopefully many their story. And as usual, the first one is what we call the origin story, where we want to learn about the why. Uh, not much the when. I mean, yeah, sure, it's important, but mostly the why a company comes together. Usually, they see a problem that like we could, we can resolve that problem, and we're gonna get on it. So. Uh, there may be other reason for it, and because I don't know, we will ask the questions. And uh, Sean, I'll let you introduce our guest today. Well, we have uh, our good friends from Checkmarks here, and uh, we have Rennie and Bryant on. Thanks, guys, for, for joining us. Thank you for having us. And uh, you both represent two critical parts of uh, development and bringing products to market. There's the building of the product and, and then the marketing of the product. So build it and they, will, and they will come. Not always the case. You actually have to get the word out there as well and uh, help people understand the problem because oftentimes the problem is so complex that they don't even know what where where to start. And um, so let's start with who you are first and then we'll get into uh, what Checkmarks does. So Brian, I'm going to start with you. Sure, absolutely. So I'm Brian Shuck. I'm the senior product uh, manager here at Checkmarks. Uh, mainly focused on API security, but I have a couple other products under my belt. Rennie? All right, Rennie Shen, Director of Product Marketing here at Checkmarks. Um, interestingly enough, um, I just joined um, from Akamai a few months back, where we focused on a different part of security, the runtime aspect. So now we're more on the developer side, the pre-production side. Um, it goes to something you were saying, Sean, which I think is uh, many layers of security, right? Absolutely. All the layers. And I mean, the, the, the company has seen many <laughs> layers. So Rennie, can we start with you and can you give us an, a, a brief 
view into, or as deep as you want, uh, view into <laughs> how check marks came to be. What, what was the initial focus? Uh, what was the initial problem that uh, the company was looking to solve, and why? So you know, it's funny. Is uh, we talk a lot about um, application security as vendors. I think we often miss why um, customers care or why there's a problem in the market to begin with, right? So Checkmarks was founded in 2006 um, by our CTO. I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Madi Simon. <laughs> um, he created the first application security testing tool, right? That was configurable, easy to install, and highly accurate. So that was the product. And obviously, it's been a long ways since then. What is that? 16 years, right? So um, you know, when I look at application security testing as a whole, you know, we think about why people are interested in it. Well, it goes back to the fact that they're building applications themselves, right? So all of our customers are building their applications. They're trying to get the word out. They're trying to build and sell products of their own. And it turns out that uh, we're in a wild and crazy place called the internet where a lot of bad things can happen. And um, speaking of runtime and um, uh, development-based security, right? So it's, um, you need both, but uh, Ultimately, we're here to help customers build their applications more securely, right? So they can drive their business, they can make their money. I think we're all here to help them be successful. And the way Checkmarks um, helps with that is by um, getting into um, helping them build their applications more securely. Um, obviously, 16 years is a long time. I think back then we were only looking at source code. Now we're talking about um, open source or third-party software. We're obviously talking about APIs. We're talking about a bunch of different ways, containers, infrastructure as code, that customers, a lot of technologies. Um, I think uh, Mark was smiled at the word technology earlier. Um, a lot of technologies go into a simple application, and um, that's what we're here to help customers do, right? Build their applications using all these technologies more securely. Uh, you've seen a lot of changes, and, uh, and what, I, what I think is 16 years is, is a life time in this in this industry like in the internet and and you say it's not the garden of eden then <laughs> maybe it was the idea of where everything is safe everything is open source everything is free what what was the first problem and maybe brian you can tell me this uh, that that the company tried to resolve um maybe the first product and then how it evolves into seeing well one is obviously not enough you can fix the internet with that so like kind of like the process of evolution of the product that the company offer. Yeah, absolutely. So I think Renny hit on it. Um, it was really around source code scanning. And I think Matty's vision was really around easy to install and highly accurate, right? And configurable, right? And he targeted kind of more the C-suite, right? More the executive suite, but wanted it to be loved by developers, right? And I think that was really the success at the beginning was all the developers were writing the code. They weren't really uh, sure about security or how to go about it. So having it easily installed and configurable, they could then take and empower the developers to actually bake in security into the source code. Um, obviously, since 2006, all these technologies have evolved. Uh, I used to be a software engineer myself, so I know COBOL, right? It used to just be one language. You wrote your whole program in that language. You deployed it on the mainframe. That was it, right? Uh, now security is really, like Rennie was pointing out, uh, infrastructure is code. Uh, you have your APIs. You have containers. Uh, you have packages coming in from third parties. You have open source software. 
and that's the evolution that you know we've always been on. So we've always been a Gartner leader uh, for the quadrant for five years running. So we take pride in ourselves, never stop evolving, right? Always keeping up to date with security, always knowing what those developers are doing and what the pain points are and trying to make it a one-click testing solution for them, right? Um, and that should give the CISOs the peace of mind. Uh, so if we're able to have developers buy in, have it easy for developers, we can also have the CISO sleep at night, right? And uh, you know that's really the goal of our products is giving you that full application coverage as these technologies evolve. Um, it's widely different than when I used to program, uh, even with APIs, right? I started with SOAP, then I moved into REST. Now you got GraphQL, you got Kafka, you got all these different things and security just always has to keep up, right? Um, and that's the main problem we're trying to solve is how do we develop software with security baked in? By the way, Brian, um, what's the stat on the number of programming languages? Is it 30? Because uh, I was a software engineer as well. I, uh, I started with C++, Java, and assembly. Um, but once people started talking about Python, um, I was out. <laughs> so, Which is one of the more prevalent security tools now, right? <laughs> it's been a while since I've been a programmer. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is getting out of control. I'm out. <laughs> so uh, this is an interesting thing. I haven't thought about this this way before. Is um, We just said there's a ton of development or engineering platform or programming languages and probably platforms to build them in as well, build within as well. And, and we always say that security needs to be part of the business process. We need to fold into engineering. Um, probably because all of the security technologies that we've developed over the past couple of decades uh, are equally hard for engineers to to understand and adapt to and evolve and, and, and adopt. So I guess the question I have is, did your, your perspective, how, how have we done kind of bridging that gap? And is there, should, are we in one extreme or the other? Are we kind of in the middle where we help each other or where are things sitting? You know, my personal opinion is, you know, it's always a business, right? At the end of the day, I think developers are pushed to create more features for the product, right? And I can say that because I'm a product manager. I'm the guy saying more and more features, right? Um, but, you know, I think giving them tools, giving them processes, giving them this information allows them to have the open and honest conversation, right? Uh, allowing something as simple as scanning your source code that sits on top and pulls in, you know, 30 packages, they can now come back and say, you know, hey, I need a couple more days because XYZ is a high vulnerability, right? Um, so, you know, really that's what we want to do is empower developers just to have it baked in. It's not even a question about does the feature need security or is it an afterthought? It's just baked into their day-to-day -day in their IDEs uh, and just right in front of their face all the time. That's a great point, I think, that you bring up, which is... Um... And I think uh, as, as vendors, we're always guilty of talking about products and technologies, not always thinking about how well that pro those products and technologies and features work into the day-to-day -day of the people who are going to use it, right? And so, you know, with like a web application firewall, for example, it's catching everything on the tail end. There's any number of, I think, vendors that try to get like every developer in a company to follow one specific process 
And we all forget that um, I think developers or teams or organizations are all organic and organic uh, teams and organizations <laughs> behave um, a little organically, right? They do different things. Uh, we're all people. We all do try to do the right thing, but we all behave a little bit differently. And I think what I like, what I love about check marks is if you think about where we try to integrate in with the software development lifecycle, it's like, what are the consistent touch points, right? Every developer, for example, is they all use, they program in different languages and they might use different IDEs, but they do use IDEs and they do check in their code and everything has to go into a source code repository to get compiled in order to build that application, right? So process aside, you know, where do you start, right? You can't coral something as complex as a development organization into a single process, but you can figure out what's the easiest way to get your arms around, to, to insert yourself into the wide range of processes there are to enable better outcomes, I guess. And Randy, let's stay there. I mean, you you're talk about marketing, but your background, software engineer. What makes a company unique for me as a marketing person as well? It's really the, the key because you can talk to any, you know, any company, they're the best company, the most special company. <laughs> but in the end, it's the market and how long you can keep it up with the evolution of the market and the requests of, of your clients that define who you are in the long run. What do you yeah. think has made this company uh, unique in the eye of their customer? Is it just the product also the way that you interact with them? Is it like an entire business model that you think it's successful for you guys? Yeah, so there are a couple different things here, right? So if you think about the personas or the people we talk to within any organization, so Brian hit on it earlier, we talk to the C-suite, we talk to the application security teams, we talk to developers, all of them play a role. And it's from, as, from a marketing perspective, it's exciting. It's interesting to think about all those different roles everybody plays and how do you enable them to be successful, right? And then earlier I talked about um, you know, how applications have evolved. I mean, I think um, the expressions uh, either sink or swim, or it's a, if you're not going forward, you're going backwards or something like that, which is, um, you know, you can see when, when we started um, 16 years ago, check marks was single product source code, right? That was good enough source code scanning. That was good enough to, um, you know, good enough place to start. People were coding their own applications. Let's help them code more securely. I think at that point, the cloud was in its infancy. So that meant microservices was <laughs> not quite a thing. That meant uh, APIs, uh, I think, had been around, but maybe weren't quite widely adopted. But you can see that you know, the, the breadth of complexity in how people build applications today, that's what's really driving you know, the, the, the increase in you know, how we think of the market, right? Like, what are the products we have to build? What features do we have to build? That's exciting, right? Because we're not building security for security's sake. We're not building a feature to have a feature, but it's like, like everybody else, we're trying to keep up with how are people building their applications? And that just gets more and more complex, more and more interesting, more and more exciting every single year. So for me as a marketer, like, that's really cool. Yeah, and what drives what? Like, I mean, I, I agree, listening to what what the customer needs, that's, that's key. And be flexible about yeah. that. I don't know, Brian, yeah. that's probably applied to products too. Yeah, I was gonna I mean, say. it has to. <laughs> let me let me take <laughs> that. Most of my on. job is, you know, talking to customers, but you know, even if I'm pitching in the product that I'm on, they say so many other pain points with security they're having, right? And I think that's really driving the our innovation right now here at Checkmarks. And one of the main reasons I joined is 
all the things that are happening behind the scenes of the company, right? You see the forward-facing products we're releasing, but we have one of the top AppSec research teams that are constantly, you know, finding these new ways to break into systems, right? It's like a game for them. And then they're bringing it back to us and saying, hey, by the way, maybe we should help customers protect them from this, right? Automatically, right? Let's let's not just go attack it and show them, hey, there's a big flaw here. How can we help our customers? Um, and, and I really think we live through that every day, right? Uh, no matter what I'm doing, I always try to end the call. Hey, if you don't buy our product, how can I help you, right? Um, you know, can I just look at your bill materials and give you some advice? Can we have, you know, some service hours, whatever it may be. My end goal is to always help the customers write more secure applications. Um, and, you know, even just giving them the knowledge of what API security is, that's a big thing right now is how should they attack the problem? You know, what's their first step? Are there any open source things that uh, can help them get a handle or grasp around that? Um, and that's why I really like Checkmarks as a company. It seems to be a whole culture and mission, um, just not selling security, but actually helping our customers. So I don't know who, who wants to take this, but I'd love to get a view of uh, the SDLC with Checkmarks in the picture. So where do you fit in from, from uh, the PRD, right? Where we, we've defined what we're going to build to release. And... And within there, there may be multiple sprints and multiple releases and the CICD and I, don't know, I forget which some media companies release every few seconds or multiple times an hour, right? Certainly. So how, how and where does check marks fit in there? Um, I don't know who wants to take Brian first, maybe. Yeah, I'll actually pass this one to Ronnie. He just built me a beautiful slide of every touch point that my product has. Uh, I'll give this one to him because I think nice. he's got the perfect pitch. So um, so there are any number of touch points, right? Um, I think that uh, that's because every number of development organizations are different, right? So I think if you look at our source code scanning, the first thing we do, actually, let's back up. The first thing we'd like to talk about is how do we enable, how do we help developers code more securely or build more secure code from the start, right? So we have, um, you know, that was one of the passions, I think, of our CTO, Maddie. Um, I think being, having a developer experience, liking mentoring, you acquired a company, we're still developing it called Code Bashing, which provides just-in-time developer enablement, right? So what's interesting about that is it's, you know, I think we all suffer from ADD. We hate sitting in courses, <laughs> hour-long courses. What that does is it breaks it down into bite-sized chunks and then also, as we go around with our other products and identify vulnerabilities, it helps developers then. So it's like just-in-time contextualized training. So maybe we find an SQL injection in code. It's like, well, maybe now is a good time. Like, while you're staring at this code and trying to figure out how can you fix that vulnerability, now is a good time to talk about what is an SQL injection and how do you fix it and how do you code more securely, right? So more just-in-time, um, more helpful, more contextualized for developers. But I think if you look at our product set, um, most of our customers probably start with SAST. Uh, integration points there are obviously we're going to scan your source code. So for us, it's when do you check in your code? When do you merge your code streams? Like at that point, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens, scripts that get cut, uh, kicked off. I think we get pulled in along with that so that we can just scan the code as it's getting checked in or as it's getting merged. And what's interesting about that is we can look for vulnerabilities then, obviously. 
but how do we surface it back to developers, right? So obviously, you know, we have real time, you know, <laughs> like emails and Slack messages and things like that. But there's also, I think developers, you know, one of the struggles is developers think like developers and security thinks like security. Security thinks about vulnerabilities, developers think like bugs. So one of the cool things that uh, I think we do is um, when you find a vulnerability, you automatically create a bug ticket, right? So if it's a severe ticket, a severe vulnerability, create a bug ticket, so now you've taken you know, this idea of a security vulnerability and you put it in the context of a developer and how they think about the, how, what they fix in the product and you bring it back to them and inside their IDEs, you can draw their attention to where in the code they need to fix things and how to fix it. And you just try to make it easier for developers to, you know, because developers, not saying developers don't know how to build secure code, but they're people. So there's a wide range of security expertise. Some are new, some are experts. And so maybe the experts don't need help, but I think that uh, when you're solving for the lowest common denominator, like how do you help everybody? Um, you need to help them point people in the right direction. So that's really cool. That's really cool for me anyway, so. Well, if it's cool for you, it works for me. Uh, you know, one other thing that is cool, uh, apart from joking is, you, Brian, you mentioned the research team and we happen to know someone there on, on the team and, um, I was curious, like, you know, what's the status of the API security tool right now? I mean, what are the some crazy things that you know that they're finding and then that you have to implement into the product? Because I think a lot of people wants to hear that part of the story, right? I mean, how do you decide? Yeah. Not just because it's cool, but because it's really the top priority right now. Exactly. So it's a collaboration and, you know, uh, you know, I'm almost starstruck when I get those uh, meetings on my calendar and they actually accept, right? Because to me, those are like my idols, right? Uh, studying cybersecurity, being able to talk to them, it's just amazing what they can do. So it's complete collaboration, right? When we talk about API security and we can develop all the API inventory from source code, that's really awesome for our customers. That's a pain point for our customers, but how does it relate back to security? So then I can walk through the OWASP API top 10 with them um, because they're the main contributors and one of the founding um, you know, research teams on it. They'll walk me through of, okay, well, here's how you could launch a bull attack if you find XYZ vulnerability with the API, right? And we'll just walk through those scenarios, um, you know, almost to the point where I feel like I could go maybe download some apps and launch an API attack afterwards because it seems so simple, right? Um, with a few data points found from our product, we can actually then say the security value then and help our customers raise those red flags for those APIs, make those higher risk vulnerabilities and productize it that way. So it really does start from the research team and then comes to kind of the product and how can we get this to our customers and help them triage these and solve these. Yeah, and it, it seems easy when you know, right? Yeah. So, so that team spends a ton of time looking at all things and who knows, they may hit 50 dead ends before that one really interesting, important thing comes to life. And that's the first step, finding it. Then the next is, documenting and describing it in a way that that you can understand and then the next step is to build it and the next step is to document and describe it in a way that the customer can actually absorb it and integrate it into their process which is going to be different for everybody and so what i'm leading to is just 
with all of these complexities, we talk about clouds and containers and IDEs and, and languages, and certainly the threat landscape isn't shrinking, right? So that's growing as well. Complexity is the evil uh, of security, right? And it's, it's, it's the anti-security. <laughs> and so I'm wondering where your platform fits in to kind of help pull all this together and, and help organizations kind of get that view and the understanding and then hopefully the, also the confidence to actually tackle this, this huge complex problem. Yeah, so like you said, I think security or complexity is the enemy, but or at least enemy is security, but complexity is going to happen anyways, right? Um, we've seen the way applications are going, right? I mean, ultimately there are a lot of bigger pressures um, being applied, like how do we create new technologies? How do we go to time to market? How do we get to market faster? How do we shrink time to market? How do we do things like that to drive revenue forward if I'm thinking about a customer? And then all the decisions that get made in terms of increasing complexity, they just kind of make sense, right? Is that's the input and then how do people respond to that input? So they respond by breaking down their application into multiple microservices, right? Now you can have multiple um, dev teams working on the services in general. That's, I mean, ultimately, no, I don't think people set out to create APIs, but APIs are an enabler that are now allow customers to do that, to break apart their applications into different services. Or the whole thing about third parties, right? That third party services, open source, that's all time to market. How can customers move faster? And so that's really where the platform comes in which is, you know, from, I think in my old life, I was talking to a customer and they had, um, they were showing us their security architect, like not really an architecture, but like a layout of all the different tools they had. And they had like 200 different security vendors in their environment, right? And so if you put yourselves in the shoes of a customer from that, or an IT a security pro from that perspective, it's like, how do you, how many people do you need to be able to operate 200 different security tools from 200 different vendors, right? Can you do more with less? Can you um, standardize on a smaller number of vendors? That's why you see a lot of vendors talking about platforms today, because the platforms are a thing, right? It's a, how do we help customers hit more of their pain points on a single platform, single vendor, single solution, different capabilities behind it, single GUI, single set of training, and all in all, what would, the whole purpose of that is to help simplify security for customers so they can do more with less and, and address more of their attack surface with a single solution. So I think, that's the way you're going to see a lot of, um, I think, the security landscape going. And I think it really comes down to focus, right? Um, if you have a single platform, there's a lot of awesome things that you can do with that data. You, you know, we just released Fusion, uh, which was a big product of ours, because now we're doing that infrastructure, API security, SAST, uh, you know, SCA all in one platform, we can start bubbling up the really critical problems, right? Um, you know, we all know that an attack is probably not a single point attack, right? It's probably not just because one thing was left open. It's probably multiple surfaces that it has to go through. And if we can start leveraging all that in one platform, that's where it's going to begin, right? Um, you know, no one likes to be overran with, you got to fix these 30 things before you can deploy this feature, right? So if we can tell them, here's the one or two places to focus, that's really, you know, where I see security going as really driving focus of, you know, across all these attack surfaces that are emerging, um, That that's going to be the next big thing. Yeah, and I, I think... And I don't know, maybe you're any, you can you can comment on this, but 
as I'm thinking through this, it, there's so much that we can learn if you have the right tools, um, educating your engineers and, and enabling your AppSec team to interact with those engineers in a, in a meaningful way. Um, but to your point on the training, Rennie, that hopefully you can help minimize some of the mistakes initially with some of the training. Yeah, exactly. Um, but as you go through, uh, you're still going to come across things, uh, perhaps even on a repeated fashion. So I'm wondering how and where automation fits in uh, to not just train, but to actually take care of some of these things so you can alleviate some of the workload and, and the, uh, the, the headaches <laughs> that come yeah. with the volumes that keep on resurfacing. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is, um, so we can talk about our own source code that we write ourselves or that our customers write themselves, or we can talk about a lot of these, um, uh, um, third-party software components that get leveraged, right? So that's another great example where, you know, it's like one one piece of open one open source library or one third-party component gets used by any number of customers, right? Because they get popularized, developers hear about them, they incorporate them, and so that's a great example of scale. Which is how do you look across an entire industry of top open source libraries people are using or top third-party components, and how do you educate on? If there are risks, right? How do you how do you how do you educate people to think about that, right? I think that's a big untapped problem. Um, I don't think it's it strictly touches on automation, but it certainly is an untapped problem. Um, from an automation perspective, you know, I was just thinking back to what Brian was saying with Fusion. Um, one of the things is, that I've been trying to understand since I, you know, for forever is what does an application actually look like? <laughs> and I know that that changes, right? But I'm a visual guy. Brian talked about my slides, but um, you know, that, that's a great example of automation, right? The ability to look at all this data coming in and correlate it and see like one of the, Fusion can help piece together, what does the application look like? How many pieces are out there? What pieces are talking to what? How does the traffic flow between these pieces, right? Especially as um, applications are getting complex, multi-cloud, different search, different microservices, things like that. Um, that's a great example of how you can simplify it in my favorite way, which is visual, <laughs> right? But to, you know, a, a picture is worth a thousand words. How do you surface that information to a way that somebody can more easily internalize it and take action on it? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, making it easy has always been the main goal, right? The, yeah. The easy button, though, is very hard to find. Reduce, <laughs> reduce the friction. <laughs> and, and the target is always moving, too. So look at, we're yes. back to complexity being the problem. Um, I'm kind of curious, maybe Brian, do you have some case study like with like, some clients you've been working that you can kind of tell the story of how you've been able to resolve uh, a specific pro problem? Yeah, I, I think the, um, you know, actually being able to resolve one, the API security product is quite new. Uh, so, you know, a lot of it is around undocumented APIs. Um, so this wasn't directly, they didn't use the product, but that Amazon photo vulnerability that was discovered by us uh, last year, this was a case because of misconfiguration, code vulnerability, and shadow APIs, right? Um, they, our security team was actually able to breach the Amazon photo app um, due to these three constraints, right? So if you have the shift left, visibility, if you're scanning with our products, they're going to point out this. And then Fusion can come in and kind of correlate all that together 
to tell you, hey, these three low risk type of things actually combine to make something really, really bad, right? Um, and that's what our research team seen a lot with these attacks is it may not just be one misconfiguration, it's the misconfiguration with an undocumented API. That's really where these attacks are happening. Um, and, you know, back to kind of, can we kind of fix it in one place and fix it everywhere automatically? Um, you know, that that just shows because it was found in the Amazon Photo app, but then it also translated to the Amazon Drive app. So reusing things, uh, having that, um, you know, absolutely, you know, these case studies and having these types of findings found is bringing to light, you know, why we need more security products, why, you know, this should be taken seriously. Uh, Rennie, I don't know if you have a direct uh, customer one. Yeah, so I have an example. Um, knowing I already said I came from um, a web application firewall vendor on the runtime side, right? But, you know, so we actually, in my prior life, we launched our first API, I think it was the industry's first API protections in a web application firewall, right? It was great. It had positive security model. Over time, we introduced API discovery and other things. But, you know, what's, what was really funny is um, was sitting in a customer advisory board with some of our biggest customers, and one of them basically said, um, you know, love your product, love these capabilities, we're never going to turn it on. And I was like, what, what, what does that mean? <laughs> right? You think it's, it's great, but you're never going to turn it on? And he, and he was like, well, the problem is, is that I don't know where all my APIs are, right? So you need to be, you need us to be able to give you the API documentation files, the Swagger files or Rama files in order for you to configure your API protections for, to be able to protect it in your WAF. The problem for me, speaking as the customer, is that in some cases, the only places where those documentation files resides is in my developer's laptops, right? So again, it speaks to the fact that we have an organic organization, different developer teams doing different things, right? Because people do different things. And so it's like, it's an area where we, it's a, it's a great example of, or a case study of how you have the right technology, but unless you're catering to like, organizational problems, you know, actually solve the problem, which is one of the reasons I'm really excited about the API security product, because it kind of gets around that, right? If it, an API, if it's in the application, it's in the source code, right? So you can, instead of relying on forcing all your developers to upload all of their documentation files to a single place where security can get them, now you can just go straight to the source and you can find them, right? And so you know, Brian, you were telling me when you talk to any number of customers, they get all really excited about that, right? It's the, I now I don't have to go out and I, I don't have to look for all of these different choke points in my environment. I don't have to go assume that I'm missing half of the problem. Now I can just start at the source and we can find all of our APIs that way. So it, 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 for me, this is a very exciting problem because it's one that started in my uh, previous career <laughs> and has continued over to this one. So obviously I think it was like a five or six year difference. So. Um, the problem obviously hasn't solved itself in the interim. So it just kind of speaks to the, the severity of the com or complexity of the problem for customers. Yeah, and it, I don't know, I've been in, been in this space for 30 years and discovery has always been <laughs> a, key, yeah. a key challenge. Uh, what's documented, what's not, there's always that rogue machine, that rogue app, that rogue API, whatever it is, right? And that's business. I mean, yeah. you want to support the business. So it, it's cool to hear that you have a capability to plug into the business that they've defined, the I, the operations yeah. that they've built, uh, because they, they know what they need to accomplish and they've built their processes to do that. 
and you guys exactly. fit, fit straight in there. Yeah, and I, I need to put a to, to put a, um, a pin on it real quickly. Like a good example is, uh, you know, we're not casting any stones at anybody, right? So it's you just think about a typical organizational structure, right? So I think one of our customers is a large multinational financial services institution, right? And they, they're, the way they're set up is they have a single security team supporting all of their different lines of businesses, right? Now, what's interesting about that, that's pretty typical. But if you think about what that means in terms of tools and processes or whatever, each of those lines of businesses, they're empowered to go off and do the right things for their customers, which means they're all empowered to do things differently, right? <laughs> and so the security team's coming in on the back end of that going, how do I support all these teams? None of them are doing anything wrong. They're all doing things differently because they've all been empowered to go do the right thing for their customers. And that's just the reality for a lot of customers, right? It's like organizations yeah. are complex. No wonder why security it took a while to be accepted inside the inside the boardroom. Yeah. It's like you guys come here and tell me everything I'm doing wrong, and if I don't know I have a problem, maybe I don't have a problem. And then you're like, <laughs> no, you do, you do. Uh, talking about this, so this is a while back, and I'm sure the conversation now it's a little bit different. But I'm curious what what's the what's the target aiming at for for the future. Um, do you guys have some uh, something you want to develop, like some new product you're working on, and uh, or even more in general, what, where do you see things going in the next few years from now? I'd love to hear both of both your opinion on this. Uh, Brian, yeah. start with you. Sure. Yeah, my personal opinion is <clears throat> we have to clean up what we have now. So you know, API security is definitely our hottest product right now. Um, I've met with probably 30 customers just trying to gather market data and, you know, what we want to build in the product. And only one out of those 30 have said that they know every API that they've developed, right? Um, and, and, I, and I challenged that customer, right? Um, but, you know, I, I think really it's you got to know and have visibility into what you have before you can protect it. So I do think some bill of material, uh, you know, Obviously, you know, I'm closest to API, so building that API inventory automatically for our customers has been a huge win. But I think just in general, build materials. What do we have? What is our landscape, right? Um, and then trying to figure out how to protect it, trying to use that correlation and different data points together to find where we need to focus because time is money. No one's going to go clean up every legacy application. No one's going to go try to, you know, rewrite every application in a more secure language or a more secure way. Um, I really think you have to know what you have, then find your focus areas and attack those, right? Um, and I think as we see more data getting breached and these bigger, larger software companies that we all idle, um, you know, getting breached, I think it's going to be a wake-up call, right? Um, and I think as these kind of more enterprise transition to these newer technologies, uh, you know, security is going to be front and center in the boardroom. I know it's hard, like you said, to get into that boardroom of why we need it. Um, but I, I think we're at that turning point uh, where we're developing these products. We're making it simple to digest. And then you have your bill of material so everyone can have that single pane of glass and really look at the action items that we need to go do to uh, secure the business. Yeah, I really like something that Brian said, which is that uh, uh, it really hits at the point that digital transformation is forever, 
right? <laughs> that there's any number of customers have any number of applications. Some are legacy, some they're not going to go back and rewrite them. Some they have to modernize, some they're just going to build brand new. But when you look at our customer, the, the scope of the problems that our customers have to deal with, it ranges across all of them. So that touches on so many different things, right? That touches on the platform and how you want a single platform to cover as many of those applications as you can. It also touches on, you know, where the future capabilities want to go, right? So if you look at that application footprint and what's coming next, a lot of these problems are going to be problems for a really long time. So cloud, I, I, the, the phrase uh, migration, cloud migration, we've been using that phrase for like over a decade. We're still going to be using it for a decade more, right? Um, microservices, I think, is something that, uh, you know, like people are just starting to understand a little bit more. Containers is a great one where a year ago, I didn't know what a container was, right? <laughs> so it's like, um, but you can just imagine as as customers start deploying some of these new tech, I mean, we're, technologies like containers, customers adopt to solve their problems. How do I deploy consistently an application or service again and again and again to scale up? Every time they do that, that causes, you know, it doesn't cause something. It's an opportunity. There's a potential for a new security vector in that, right? Potential for new things to happen, new things to have to be protected against. I think that's what's going to drive, you know, a lot of um, where we focus in the future, which is staying on top of how applications are changing or digital transformation is changing, staying on top of the trends in terms of how customers are building their applications, and then staying on top of like what new vulnerabilities or attack vectors do those changes introduce and how can we solve them on a single platform um, to help customers again build their applications more securely but it's it, it's the ultimate just in time s bomb right. right. build them build the materials well where everything is new it's it's a constant like you said Renny, constant transformation right it is. What, what I, yeah. What's a container today? Maybe something different tomorrow. What's the cloud today? Maybe something different tomorrow. APIs today will be different. Where microservices are, it'll be different. And how, most importantly, how a company puts all those together for their business will be different. And I think staying on top of that and helping companies shift the analysis. Well, first, the, the discovery of that. What, the, what does it look like? What's going on in there, and then the analysis of where where things may need to be need to be shored up, either config or bone in a, in some process or in some code, and then obviously helping them automate and and uh, fix those problems. So uh, super cool to chat with you guys, and uh, thrilled to thrilled to get a view into where Checkmarks found found itself and how it's progressed over the years. And I mean so many products and a platform uh, coupled with it to, to help companies. So thank, thanks for sharing the story today. Thank you. Absolutely. And for those listening, of course, uh, there'll be links to uh, Rennie and Brian's profiles. So you can connect with them if you have questions about uh, what they're working on, how to, what they're building and how they're bringing it to market and how it can help your organization, whether you're an engineer or uh, somebody in AppSec or perhaps the CISO, overlooking all of this. And uh, we'll have links to the, the, the products and uh, other resources that uh, the team wants to share as well. So appreciate uh, you all listening. And thanks again, Rennie and Bryant, for, uh, for bringing your story here to ITSB Magazine. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.
If you enjoyed this podcast, share ITSP Magazine with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you for listening. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP mag 24.